guys are grown let's go ahead and get in what's up y'all it's your boy hilliard guest and you guys are listening to the screenwriters rant room where we keep it real we keep it opinionated we keep it what everybody 2016 yeah on this show we discuss entertainment tv film music culture but our focus is always screenwriting stories craft and shit like that so you guys heard it today. You heard the bass from all the dudes in the house. <laughs> bass. How low wow. can you go? Wow. Death row. What does a brother know? <laughs> Once again, back <laughs> is the incredible rhyme animal. Incredible. It's Sunday for God's sake. Yes. Wake up. That song is wake up. Wake up. It's the first of the month. Oh my God. We're into it. Public Enemy is more relevant now than it ever was. Yeah, than it ever true. was. They were predicting some into shit, a political they? show. You better we're watch it. We, we did that. Me and Chris time. will wipe this out. I know, I know. So, <laughs> y'all hear how we do it on the Rant Room. As you guys hear, we don't hear her voice, Lisa Bolacaja. Uh, she's she's at, what what con? Somebody con today. The Indigenous, indigenous, indigenous Peoples. Yeah, she's That's it. Tweeted up some all these comics she bought that look cool. So I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna see if I can borrow them from her when she's yeah, back. So she's over there today representing for us. And um, so I got my man in the house, big bro, <laughs> Jeff Thorne, producer, writer, <laughs> comic book dude, oh my God. <laughs> author. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> How many hyphens you got, bud? Uh, well, you missed two, but I'm not I'm gonna sure mention I did. Them. Um, Pimp Dog. I forgot about that. Let's just say Pimp Dog. <laughs> For today, let's just say Pimp Dog. That's how I found it in the zone zone. Exactly. That's what my business card says. <laughs> all in all. <laughs> and everything else is straight up Pimp Dog. D, all the above, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. And then we got my man, Lil Bro, Chris Derrick from the writing directing team, the Derrick Brothers, y'all. Hello, people. Producer, writer, Pimp Dog himself. <laughs> Try game peeps game baby exactly. photographer. I just had a you know what I, I didn't invite anybody to this. I didn't know if I was gonna have it in time, but mm-hmm. I did a photograph that was in this show at the Los Angeles uh, Center of Photography. Oh cool! With um, it's interesting because um, Ali Leroy he also has a piece oh Ali really? yeah, and yeah. it was the opening night was just this past Friday, go. and I think it goes for like two weeks, maybe three weeks. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, I didn't know if I could get the the print. It was a deadline to have the. They selected it off of a. Of a JPEG, I said. They said of a well, JPEG, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like 600 entries. They chose like wow. 40. What? Um, it was like some big photographer guy who like mm-hmm. did the curation. So it was really cool. And um, I just, uh, uh, it was crazy because I was like, I don't know if I can get it in time. Because mm-hmm. my the stuff I did was from some actual film stuff. It wasn't okay. digital at all. That stuff oh. that I, from like years ago. Like a, it was a negative that I lost and I, and I, my idea was to do like a like couple negatives together, like a sandwich thing. Mm-hmm. And the main one, I didn't know where it was. So I thought I lost it like 15, 10 years ago. <laughs> I ran into it over the summer, but I had the uh, uh, the JPEG, cause, you know, whatever, they send you a little JPEG um, and I got a process. I was like, oh, I, I can do this, I can do this. But mm-hmm. I hadn't done any kind of printing and I'd never done any printing you know, digital printing or anything mm-hmm. like that in, in years. You're old school, real. So real yeah, so yeah, so I had to go and do like the 
the dark room shit to get it ready. And then I was like, I, I, I didn't know how to do a lot of it. So I didn't say, hey, people come because I might have missed the <laughs> deadline. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you come you know, down here, Chris. Where's your art? You, <laughs> guess what? You're not even there. So, <laughs> but yeah, people should check it out. That's what's up. Good. And then yeah. it goes, do you know what day it goes to? Because this uh, might not air till next it's, week. I think it's. I think it's at least two weeks. I think it's oh, cool, the end of the month. Yeah, it's town. it's the the the, cool. the place is the corner of um, Wilcox and Sunset. It's just okay. like like it's half a, a block spot. north on Wilcox. Oh, sweet. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's That's real not close. too far from here, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. Right. Yeah, I'll yeah. definitely go. That's what's yeah. up. That's what's up. Cool. Well, y'all know how we do it on the rant room. So today, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get it in. <laughs> so today we brought my brought my. I can't even speak straight. Today I brought my man in here today. <laughs> we figured we'd talk about some craft shit today. Um, number one, we thought we'd go back to some Q&A questions I get. I get a lot of questions and stuff from people all over the world, you know, asking us, of course, how to fucking break in, which drives me bananas. Oh, Christ. <clears throat> but um, trust me, we're here still trying to figure it out. <laughs> and um, Let me know when I break in. <laughs> I mean... You can have some successes, but it don't mean you broke in. Employee is not broke in. No. That's that's the first rule. Correct. You need to get in your head. It's just being, even being sequentially employed does Mm -hmm. not mean you've broken in. Broken Mm -hmm. in means somebody says Jeff Thorne, and there's 10 people at the table who are pros in the business, Mm -hmm. and seven of them go, oh, I know that guy's work. Correct. You've broken in. Yeah. Anything less than and that. And look, and there's a little working. fear there. Because yeah. they're like, oh, you don't shit, know if they don't like the you. Job. Yeah, or, yeah, right. Exactly. Well, exactly. you never know if they even like you. Right. Like, you, you honestly don't know, and you don't know if there's things that you're doing that are upsetting people or are like, uh, just because certain, certain, certain modes of behavior that you do that some people respond to, some, some people don't. From right. Where, and then you're like, you don't know. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Everyone's fucking two faced, so they don't tell right. you I don't like you anyway. Mm-hmm. Only two, uh, so mm-hmm. they'd be all in your face smiling. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. It's like people we know. <laughs> a lot of people we know. Look, a lot of people I used to know. Because like, here's the funny thing. So your brother asked me the other day. He said, "Hill, do you think there's anybody in L.A.?" No, he said something about like, "What do you think people think of you at the Writers Guild?" Of like, me, like me. He said, like, "What do you, you think, you, people? You think what do you think is your is is people's perception of you?" And I had to think about it for a second, and I said, "You know, I think all in all, all I do is positive things there, especially at that guilt. Right? You know, I'm on fucking five committees for God's sake." Right. <clears throat> and I said, "So, I don't think anybody can say anything negative about me about anything that I do or say or try to help or promote or anything in any kind of way. Mm -hmm. Because I know I'm the first dude. I'm one of those guys where if, like, I'm at the education committee and there's they're putting it together a subcommittee for some new panel, I'm the first one going, I'll help. You know, motherfucker, I work the front desk. Right. You know what I mean? I'm down. So, yeah. You know, whenever you need me, I'm there, right? And so... In that aspect, I don't think there's anything anybody could say. I never try to overpower anybody or try to make it look like I'm better than them. I'll pull young writers aside and be like, I heard you when you said, oh, I'm just a caucus member. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. like, you're fucking here too. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? You earned it. Something don't, you did got you here. Don't self-deprecate yourself. Don't self-deprecate that. yourself. That's not even the right word, but, like, but don't self-denigrate yourself. Yeah, that too. Because- I'll take them both. Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, that's something I think about a lot too. You know, I think that there's a lot of people at the guild who, um, who respected my efforts on doing mm-hmm. a lot of things. I mean, like, like even before is DGA or WGA? A WGA. Okay. Uh, because even before I was 
you know, like one of the five co-chairs in the mm -hmm. previous incarnation of the, the book, Coming Back Writers, I mean, <clears throat> there were several people who asked me to run for the, the, the board, you I know, remember. I mean, like it was mm -hmm. Glenn Mazars, David mm -hmm. Goodman, as much people, I mean, you know, like Billy Ray, had, had, had was, he came to our room and he was like, can you guys just please vote? At, mm -hmm. Because that's the thing we've noticed, that the, the black writers don't vote as much. And there's a lot of things behind that. Sure. You know, I was, and they was like, who's running? Yeah, running? Sure. You know, so How do they track that? They know because they watching me. Well, because they know. Well, they know who you are. Well, they know who you are. They, also, yeah, also, yeah, you, you say on your thing if you're black or white. Oh, or whatever, that's true. So they can, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I never yeah. thought about that. They know who you are. Don't count me, man. <laughs> I don't like being counted. I like people looking at me. <laughs> don't self-identify. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, 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 I'm just here. I'm not here for you to look at. <laughs> yeah, but wow, but, okay. but at, the, at the same time, sometimes like I'm not as. Um, uh, I don't volunteer a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I. Um, but if anyone asks me to do anything and I can fit in my schedule, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like the thing you asked me to do at the mm -hmm. thing at Moonlight. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I actually had something to do that night. Sure. Um, but I've, I felt really strongly about that movie and like supporting it. So I was like, okay, I'm just going like, to give up what I had to do. I mean, sure. I, I told someone else I was going to do because it's, it, that, that's just me. You know, yeah. I mean, I'll help anyone out who asks me. But if you're not asking me or if you, you know, there were some issues sometimes and I had suggested things we need to do in the committee mm -hmm. um, that weren't really, like, taken with the same kind of uh, enthusiasm okay. as some other proposals. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, okay, you know what? There's, like, people that I know before I was even, a lot of people I know before I was even in the guild, mm -hmm. or not in the guild, but, but doing this kind of service that mm -hmm. I can bring in or suggest to bring in, sure, you know? Sure. And, um, and since they weren't black... It was always kind of like, a, mm -hmm. well, how are they going to help us? I'm like, oh, because don't they hire? <laughs> exactly. They hire. <laughs> I had some of the same issues on the, on the LGBT committee, you know, where they're like, well, they're not gay. I'm like, but they're opponents of, of us. Um, yeah. Isn't that just as important? You know well, what I mean? I mean, it really does boil down to, it's an interesting thing. Um, there's a way to play it where you're just on your squad. Mm -hmm. There's a way to run Hollywood where you're just only in black Hollywood. Yeah. And everybody you know is in black Hollywood. The only people you want to work with are in black mm -hmm. Hollywood. And the only people you hire are in black Hollywood. The mm -hmm. only actors you ever put on your shows are mm -hmm. in black Hollywood. Personally, I don't know why you want to self-ghettoize, but <laughs> it's an option. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, there's an Asian version of that. There's a gay version of Correct. that. There's a female version of Correct. that, which is right now, I think, very much in ascendance. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, massive, um, which yes, to me is definitely. kind of like... Uh, which, to me, in a certain level, disappointing because mm -hmm. I understand that women directors really need their shot. Mm -hmm. I get that, and there's so many great ones who who don't get their shot. I, I primarily, I think, not directing features, not not in not, not directing also. television. TV I mean, yeah, also. TV it happens a lot, but TV I think it's also. more prevalent in features. Yeah, there's more money. Yeah, um, guys but, aren't guys aren't giving up that kind of cash without a fight. Do not. No, it's not. Yeah, definitely. So, and but, that's for uh, all minority groups. It's not yeah. specific to women. But, I mean. but, but that is something that I feel is, um, you know, because it's on Queen Sugar. They're all female mm -hmm. directors. That's mm -hmm. the new announcement for mm -hmm. upcoming season of Jessica Jones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, See, you don't like that? I think it's fair. I think it's a good counterbalance. I think it's fair, but I also feel like there's a level of. Let's just say mm -hmm. um, Barry Jenkins mm -hmm. loved Jessica Jones and he wanted to come and do an episode. Mm -hmm. No, man, can't, can't, you're not going to hook you. Only chicks this year. Yeah, not, we're not going to hook you. You know what? I, it's horrible because ultimately, 
it's going to no, turn into a political show. Let's go in. It's going to turn into a we'll political show. We'll just have show. to go in. All this is attendant <laughs> upon white supremacy because <laughs> what, what it creates is white straight male supremacy. And it doesn't mean every white straight male is part of this, but every straight, straight white male benefits from it, whether they choose to or not. They automatically yeah, benefit from it. Too. Physically, yeah. whether they choose to admit it, whether mm-hmm. they work against it or mm-hmm. not, they still benefit from it. What that creates in the outgroups is you have to, what my, my, my wife and I used to say, you push me more to my left as a liberal mm-hmm. if you are crazy right wing <laughs> right. because I got to really get my shields up and get mm-hmm. everything going right. so I actually sound more radical than I actually mm-hmm. am when I'm talking to somebody like Rush Limbaugh or somebody mm-hmm. like that because they're freaks, mm-hmm. right? But what that creates is this little sort of, well, it's just about us, it's for us, by us. That's a legitimate way to go. I, look, I mean, it's, it's, it's you can see it's, it's a fine. Point uh, it's, of view. it's fine. I mean, I, I get it. But I, speaking as a black man who's been in this environment and mm-hmm. had to deal with very similar sorts of, no, we don't need you today, mm-hmm. um, or really any other day. You don't need <laughs> There's no point in you showing up. Really. That, I don't know why you keep coming in here, Jay? Yeah, well, uh, right. Yeah. But if we turn into the mirror of them, then it justifies their position. Exactly, and 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 that's kind of my point because. You know, there's a really fascinating Tumblr blog called um, Shit Said to Female Directors. <laughs> and it's all these women who, it's, it's, I think it's been on for like eight, 18 oh, months. Yeah, 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 and yeah. it's so fascinating about what the fuck they go through. And it's, it's actually horrible. Yeah, it is. And so I really believe there, you know, there should be that. There should be a, you know what, we should have a certain amount that we're going to do or we're going to have something where like maybe like Jessica Jones or Queen Sugar I mean that, that's their prerogative well, what about uh, uh, Donald Glover's Atlanta? yeah I was just the about to say Atlanta the, did the it with black staff you is know? black writers of yeah. a show about life in black Atlanta yeah. I mean I mean look that makes sense for that yeah. you know I mean, I mean it really does I yeah. mean but I don't I guess my thing is this though <clears throat> there's for them to take Jessica Jones and what's the other one you just mentioned? Uh, um, uh, Atlanta? At, at the, or, the, the female. Oh, um, Queen, Sugar? Queen Sugar? Queen Sugar. For them to take those two shows, there might be one more maybe, right? Mm-hmm. For them to take those one, two, or three shows doesn't even remotely affect how many men still get. I know. It doesn't change you know the status I mean? quo. But it, what it does real. do, what's that? and here's the problem. Again, it all goes back to the original sin mm-hmm. of white supremacy, male straight white male supremacy. What it does is a bunch of directors who would not normally get to get those first few or that next two or three that they need mm-hmm. to keep moving, in the, certainly in the TV realm, because mm-hmm. it really is about what's your resume at some sure. point. When you're, when you're starting a new show and you're looking at, you're looking at reels and you're looking at resumes, mm-hmm. you don't even get to the reels before, until after you see the resume. True. So if I look at a woman's name, I may not care. I personally don't, per, by mm-hmm. the way. If you can go, you can go. I don't care what your mm-hmm. gender is. I don't care if you're in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you came in on stilts. Mm-hmm. As long as you're asking direct, I want you. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but if I'm looking at a set of resumes before I look at the reels and I see, well, Person X has worked on all these different shows and mm-hmm. they keep bringing them back on that show so I know they're dependable and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Okay, put them in the to-be-considered pile. Mm-hmm. And then I see a person whose resume looks like they just got out of school. They might be great, but it's my first show. Yeah, I'm not risking Risk. my first exactly. show exactly. on that new person. I get Black, that on white, the first female, show. On, on the first show, I get that. So with Queen Sugar and with now with Jessica Jones, there's a bunch of female directors that are going to get their second and third chits. They're going to get their third and fourth chits. And they're going to be seen to have been reliable because they were right. back. Right, right. So... 
even though in the aggregate, it's still mostly straight white males directing everything, yeah, yeah. everything, mm-hmm. these, <laughs> these particular few are going to have at least that more of a leg up. It's created by white supremacy, this backlash against it. I think sometimes it goes a bit far from every corner. I've been around black folks who are like really aggressively black yeah. about all of their shit. Yeah. And I'm like, but like you said, but that guy is great and could hire you down mm-hmm. the line. Why would you? Okay. You know? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, and this, I mean, this is all still, although it's got a little political, it still fits within your thinking about breaking in because mm-hmm. it's like you very, you really got to figure out these methods. Like there's a friend of mine, she's a development executive and she mentioned this d- director named um, Vic Mahoney. Okay. And, I, she, and she did a movie, I can't remember what it was called, but it starred uh, uh, Zoe Kravitz. Okay. And, uh, and, and I, I don't think the movie has gotten released yet. But I, I mean, but I saw part of it on YouTube, some so many bootleg and shit like mm-hmm. that. Um, but she got a chance to do an episode of Queen Sugar. Okay. And it's like, you know, and you're right. I mean, there's, there's, that, there's that, that resume thing becomes an issue. I mean, I remember this woman named... Kimberly Pierce, who did Boys Don't Cry. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know? And I was sitting around like, what is she going to do next? What is, and it's this long gap. And mm-hmm. it's like, I know you're trying to work. Right. I know you are. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on. I mean, there's a, there's a movie that was out earlier this year called um, Tallulah that was on... Uh, mm-hmm. It's on Netflix. Netflix, right? Yeah. And I remember the woman, the director, she was saying, you know... To get money is difficult because we go meet these venture capitalists, or not venture, but these money people on Wall mm-hmm. Street, and and there's this whole stigma that that women don't know how to handle money, right? Mm-hmm. So therefore, mm-hmm. you're gonna blow my money mm-hmm. on this extra mm-hmm. risky business anyway, and it becomes you know? riskier because somehow when you're on the set, your woman, your womanliness is gonna make <laughs> it's gonna think, make things you know, screw up screw in some well, random you know, way. It, well, I don't get it. And also, this, whole, this goes back to what we were saying earlier before we got on about. Mm-hmm. Is she gonna scream at people on the set? Or right not? now, <laughs> or cry, cry well, or cry, poor no, lady that no, can't no, direct. No, what? But you know what? People do cry on set when shit goes bad. Sure. I don't care who you are, sure. you might be fucked because you know, because mm-hmm. you know, if you fuck up in your movie, you might not be directing ever again. True, you know, or True. Or, or and 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 you might have to start back way back and do these million dollar films, whatever it is, mm-hmm. to build your resume. But you have to do maybe two or three of those mm-hmm. just to like move the stink off of what you did and you fucked up. <laughs> movie jail, you got to yeah, get out yeah, of movie, movie jail. jail which, you know, <laughs> totally, director jail, totally. So director but, jail yeah, sucks. Yeah, yeah but, but 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 the point we're saying is about you know screaming on the set. You only said I don't like to scream on the set for a couple of reasons. One, I don't feel that it's productive to make to motivate people right. the mm-hmm. right way. Two, uh, there was somebody, I want to say, I want to say it's Martin Ritt. Mm. Okay, Martin Ritt's the old director. I think his big movie that everyone knows. He did Ombre and he did this great movie. He, he worked with Paul Newman a lot. HUD. Mm. HUD. He did oh, HUD, yeah. right? HUD. Okay, yeah. so, I, so when Paul Newman did one of the very, very first Inside the Actor Studios, which I think people used to go see the earlier ones mm-hmm. like before it became a thing, because all these great, great <laughs> actors in there who were very because before it was a thing. You see people like like you know right real real they got, like, was people showing. on there yeah. yeah like you know Shelley Winters and mm-hmm. people who like you know, then it became this I got to be on because I got to check that mm-hmm. box but uh, whatever but Paul Newman was saying Martin, <laughs> it became the Oprah show yeah, yeah again whatever so he, so he was talking about he was like you know Martin Ritt would do this thing I think it was him where he would. He would say action in the tone he wanted the scene to play. Oh, that's cool. Huh, so when it's like a soft scene, he'd be like action. 
Mm. Or we're just going to be charged. But action, right. you know, because mm-hmm. that, he controls it. Mm-hmm. And if you're screaming all the time, you're like, what are you doing it's to your voice? Note. It's all one note. And you can't, and then. That's interesting. It's almost like a director as conductor rather than director as boss or overseer. That's your job. Is, oh, so there's a really cool guy named Carol Reed, director. His, his big, big movie is uh, Third Man. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that your job as a director is to focus the audience's attention in every shot. Hmm. That's what you do. So mm-hmm. you know if you're not, so you can hold a shot longer if I'm not, if I don't need to change your attention. Which is what? Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins. Nice. Okay, nice. Do that because nice. you're cutting around all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, why are you cutting around? I mean, yeah. I just, you don't do that. Unless so. there's a reason to do it's that. There's a reason, right. If What's your name? Uh, Scorsese's editor who famously was like, we can't get this exact sequence right. And she just goes, Rah! spins the dials. And then whatever what came up was, yes, that. It needs to be like that. Mm. But you need to know that you can do that at that moment. That editor needs to know, watch mm-hmm. this. Brat. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, so I think... What I think is the break-in thing, people find their squad. Mm-hmm. Um, your squad could be your ethnic group. It could be your gender group. It could be your sexuality group. It could True. be your, your, your religious group, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Understanding that the larger part of quote-unquote Hollywood, which doesn't really exist, I think, the way people have it in their heads, it isn't really <laughs> the four families getting together and talking about it. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's much more diffuse than that. But the... Um, Isn't there a seance and some shit? Or? There's some back room that I never get to go <laughs> the to. The Magic Castle's got that little <laughs> secret <laughs> room. <laughs> okay, um, glory hole. But eventually, <laughs> that little that little area will, for most people who really want to work, it will become confining. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably best to have that squad be your sort of maybe your core support group, mm-hmm. but that. When you're out in the world, you're just in the world, in the world, open to things. Well, yeah, well, yeah, because you have to be, you have to figure out. To me, what what the thing that I gravitate to is people who are into the type of material that I'm into, mm-hmm. because then it's they can critique your stuff in a way that someone else can't, mm-hmm. and also. You know, people will recommend you. Like, you know, like if I'm writing on, you know, or I, I like dark matter. Let's mm-hmm. just say, and mm-hmm. I and I gotta go, and I need someone to come on here. I probably know five other people who mm-hmm. who I who stuff I read and I like. Oh, you need to talk to so and so. But then, but that's not to say you again self ghettoize yourself because you can figure out ways. You know, two people I know, two big people. I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there's one I know, but I know the story. Um, um, Janine Sherman uh, Barois, who's mm-hmm. big, who's huge on Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. But people forget, like, she used to write on Jamie Foxx. She's a showrunner now, isn't she? Right. Yeah. yeah. But she started off writing comedy <clears throat> on Jamie Foxx's show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the PJs, I think, is her mm-hmm. creation. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then I want to say Matt Weiner worked on Full House or something like that. That sounds right. And yeah. then he, like, and, and then he was, and he, he wrote this Madman script and he used that. P- Spec pilot to get on Sopranos because hmm. he wanted to get out of. I don't want to be writing these joke, this joke mm-hmm. crap, and he wanted to get out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of ways to like, you yeah, know, you reinvent yourself, yeah, sure. yeah, you know, and that's something you gotta do all the time, too. Anyway, yeah. you have to, or you should, you know, try to. Well, be, you can now, which is the key. You before, you know, 10 15 years ago, you know, when you were starting out <laughs> to write, I was by myself. My, my assumption is you were. 
you know, a genre writer or not. You I'm know, a genre writer. You were writer. a comedy writer or but not. But what right. I got back then, and it's fascinating to watch younger people, mm-hmm. even people only three years, five years mm-hmm. younger. Uh, my good friend Brandon Easton is a good mm-hmm. example Brandon. of mm-hmm. that. Uh, it took me the it took me slightly less than the standard decade to get where I wanted to sure. go. It took me about six and a half years mm-hmm. to get where I wanted to be. Yeah, like how many scripts was that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know how fast We're not, we're not talking about that. Um, <laughs> but um, the thing is, uh, I was alone. Like I was a black face turning out material with dragons and aliens and mm. stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you the number of times uh, someone would say, well, could it be more urban? Because my characters were not always black or mm-hmm. there would be two black people and nine Asian people, mm-hmm. whatever the story dictated, mm-hmm. right? It was always about whatever the story was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I was against or for white or black people. Sure, sure. It was just if this thing takes place in Hong Kong in nineteen in 1823, mm-hmm. not a lot of brothers running around Hong exactly. Kong in 1823. Yeah. So, But what would happen is a script would get me a meeting. I'd go in. My name, literally the way my name mm-hmm. is spelled, it looks is British, a, a British like spelling, right? Mm-hmm. So the they were not expecting the face that they got. And I would say about 50% of the time, there'd be this sort of lean back, reassess. Mm-hmm. Oh, that meeting. Mm-hmm. I right. had that meeting. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's terrible. Um, it happened, I would say, a minimum of 50% of the time. Wow. And that was the strength of the material that gets you into the office. Wow. Right? And you're like, okay, I can sail through this meeting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know nothing's going to come of this meeting based on that lean back, <laughs> but I can't storm out now. Yeah, exactly. The meeting just started. I got to exactly. go through the whole thing. Well, well, but, but at that point, you, you also know that when the meeting is, is become about who you are, not the material. I mean, there's, there's, it's always about who you are because I don't know if they can work with you. That's right. One, you got to be can't be defensive about anything. That's right. Um, but you have to. You, you, that meeting becomes where you have to play it in a way where you got to not just present yourself, but you got to be like defeating stereotypes Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and you have to, to imprint yourself in their mind. Like, well, he's not the, he's not that one. Yeah. Yeah. But you he's know what? The black guy that you, I, you, you can play that. But the problem is I can't do it. What? I'm really shitty at schmoozing. <laughs> I'm really shitty at schmoozing. I'm, it's always on my face when I'm lying. So, mm. Uh, I don't. I just don't. I, lo- I wish I could do it. It would make my life easier. But people can always say, oh, he's holding something back. No, right? Or he thinks something other than what he's saying. So mm-hmm. I just don't bother with it. Yeah. But um, you don't know what particular stereotype they have in your their head to work against. I know. Right? They I might know. be keying to the fact that I'm physically larger than mm-hmm. them. Uh, I have to say, I lost... He, here's an interesting example. This is not right. even as a writer, as an actor. Back when I was an actor, I won't say who for. <laughs> you were a really but good actor. I read you were on a very for, good job. I read for a particular show mm-hmm. that had a uh, uh, up and coming and up and coming in the sense that the media had latched onto this. A gay uh, director producer was yeah. in charge of this particular episode and it involved a character coming out, mm-hmm. right? And I had auditioned and gotten on shows for this particular company a couple of times, mm-hmm. so I was relatively familiar with the casting director and all those people. It wasn't just coming in cold and feeling all sure. nervous. It was like, oh, cool, I get a chance to really <laughs> try this part, and I was going to be playing the guy who was coming out. Mm-hmm. Now, a few weeks prior to that, I'd gone up for a role where I'd played a handicapped, a mentally handicapped person, mm-hmm. and had almost gotten that role, which mm-hmm. is why I was being brought back for this. For this, this. right? So I walked in, and you've met me, you've met me, you see mm-hmm. how I am. It's mm-hmm. just always this way. <laughs> okay? I walk in, and I'm like, well, thank God you guys gave me something that wasn't so hard this time. Hmm. Right? Now, 
Chris just looked at me. Yeah. Hilliard went, yeah. huh? <laughs> you said <Okay>. what? <laughs> because what I was thinking at that time was, I'm Joe Actor. Mm-hmm. The last part you gave me, I'm actually quite smart. I had to play a person who was mentally handicapped. Mm-hmm. He had a speech impediment and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. And I had, had to make, work for it. I had to be the guy that you're listening to right now mm-hmm. and then believably turn into this other guy in a second in mm-hmm. front of these people. So I considered that a level of difficulty yeah. that was not. That was like a 9.9. That was a stretch. Good point. Uh, uh, The the harshness of coming out to a loved one, Mm -hmm. it's rough, Mm -hmm. but it's within the realm of normal human emotion. So I was like, I'm going to knock this out of the park. Watch me kill this, (laughs) right? Y'all going to believe the shit out of this, (laughs) right? But I made the mistake in front of a gay man Mm -hmm. under all of these conditions of that time saying, what I'm about to do, I don't find to be that difficult. Ah, I did not get that part. And I could see the the light go out of the person's eye. I could see them lean Mm. back. But there was no way. You couldn't take it back. I couldn't take it back. I couldn't address it. There was nothing I could say or do. And and technically, I hadn't done anything wrong Mm -hmm. because I was speaking as an actor about the difference between two complex parts. You can't know what the other person on the other side of the desk is Correct. going to land on. Oh, exactly. Right? Well, so, in, in essence, you he, were talking to the casting director. Right. To some extent, you weren't right. talking to him. Right. But he you know was in mean? the room. But he was in the room. Right. I and understand so, your point. And the point being is that if you're worried about the other person's stereotypical viewpoint or their political viewpoint or whatever the hell it is, you're slightly off your game, mm-hmm. which is to be you. Mm-hmm. Right, you got to make them want you because they're going to, like you said, they're going to be stuck with you for a minimum of ten days to, depending on whatever the job well, yeah, is for a while. Yeah, well, yeah, acting. Yeah, I mean, if you're writing, this could be the whole season. But right. the thing, the, no, the thing I was saying is, is that the lean back that you know you're not going to get that meat. That it's just it's over. It's yeah, it's just it's just you're being polite at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah, mm-hmm. both of us being polite now. So you, so so you could go. Oh, you know, I'm black and don't think I can write this, so I'm out peace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get it. I see where we are here. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I wonder what would have happened if I'd done that back then. Yeah. I'm, I'm serious. I look back and maybe some of those situations might have been made better by that reaction. Yeah. I mean, like, so, I mean, there's different ways to play it. You know, I mean, it's just so. But again, you know, that there's a lot of it that's. I, I remember something that my brother and I took a while to get through is that, you know, we would send a script to someone and they would say, come in, come in for a meeting. And this is like before we had an agent and stuff like this. And, and even with our first agent, because it was a really small place and he was relatively new, it's, um, they don't want to do the script when they, hmm. when they call you in on the script. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I don't think a lot of people know that. They That's like what, 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 people sign thinking, oh, they're going to go sell their script. They're like, no, yeah, we no, like the writing. No, we like the writing. <laughs> exactly. And we want you to talk to us about other stuff. Mm-hmm. What else you got? What, what else you got? That's the but, biggest but, but, phrase. You know what, what else you got? And, and, and that's a really trick phrase, too. I mean, that's something that for a while we were doing that and we would have other stuff we work on, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But what I learned is um, that's the wrong play. The wrong play is. What do you guys have in development? That, right, because I can hook into that. That yeah. we'd be good for. Mm-hmm. I know you guys got something. You got a mm-hmm. stack of stuff. You right? guys, exactly. there's, there's 50 scripts right there in that behind your desk. Mm-hmm. Because that's really what they want to do. Because it's and it kind of goes into the salesman type of game where you you can't sell someone something that you want to sell. You have to sell them something that they, they want to buy. buy. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and that's the whole thing about. Well, what do you have in development that you know it works that way? Because mm-hmm. I, I remember, I remember one time we that we it was a moment, um, and uh, we were in this meeting, 
And uh, the woman really liked this script. She asked, what, do you got? What, do you, what else do you have? And we were going through stuff and blah, blah, blah. And she was interested. And I said to her, so what are you guys are interested in doing? What are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? And uh, she was like, oh, I have this book. Uh, this Ursula Le Guin book. Um, <laughs> the, the <laughs> two Faces. Was it? T- oh, um, the uh, the le- was the Left Hand of Darkness? Left Hand of Darkness. Left Hand of Darkness. She was like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah damn encyclopedia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> can you guys read this? Because we're interested in... And doing a take on it. We mm. want to see what your take is. You oh, know? wow. Um, How long ago was that? Ten years ago. <sighs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough, right? It's still that's a tough. Yet. That's a tough book to crack. Tough. Very tough. Because, you know, because what it is is, <laughs> what it is is, it's like, I believe it's like, a, a, it's a world where men become women. Gender is it, entirely it, fluid. It's entirely fluid. And so that's like, you know, somewhat crazy. And they were talking. This is interesting. This is interesting viewpoint of what they were the cast they were like oh you know we get denzel and then he's gonna transform into nicole kidman yeah right yeah denzel ain't doing that part <laughs> he's not, he's i not, promise you he but won't but show he's up. not doing that part yeah denzel's you know? not doing that so i promise you he won't not show doing up that. he might say he's no, gonna show, show up, up but he ain't gonna show he up. won't be there i promise but, but, you but, but but it's that type of movie that type of story where it's like you know how do you get someone who's a major actor to sign on to right to Johnny Depp might do it? Not, yeah, but right. well, but even then, I don't even know because I think the role in the story becomes better once you're the woman. So then, who do you get as the man who has take enough a secondary? Who's not really? Yeah, yeah. so it's tricky, you know. Real but, world politics. You know, that's that's I, so. Okay. So let's so let's answer let's ask some answer some of these questions. Okay, go. Let's go. Some of these are very generic. Viewer mail. Exactly. All right, in no particular order. So here we go. What's the most enjoyable thing about screenwriting for you? We'll start with you, Jeff. Uh, I always wanted to be one, mm-hmm. a writer of some kind. I am a writer of some kind. Um, I think for me, because I really leaned hard towards TV and mm-hmm. not film, I think one of the most enjoyable things is when I write it, I know I'm going to see it. Mm. I know within a few weeks at most mm-hmm. uh, what I put down on the page some actors are going to be doing mm-hmm. um, is immediate. My hands are on it. My I've been lucky to work with uh, showrunners who let you really produce your show. Mm-hmm. So that means you're really there. You're mm-hmm. with them all the way through production. You get to rewrite on the fly mm-hmm. if you need to. Post and it, everything. Everything right mm-hmm. down to the end. And in a weird way, it's that part of it, the sort of, hey, kids, let's put on a show part of it, which I think a lot of people forget as they get into their careers. They forget that's why they got into it. Mm-hmm. I like being on a set. I like being around the people that make the other things. I like going into the prop mm-hmm. areas and talking to the wardrobe people and getting with the actor about some weird nuance. Can we put the comma further back in the sentence? Because <laughs> then that allow me to power up for this mm-hmm. other. All of that stuff, me being a writer allows, that's my key into that room. Mm-hmm. I, everyone has, it's like this great party going mm-hmm. on, but you can't get in unless you get your key. Mm-hmm. My key opens one door that lets me into the party, and my it is the writing. Also, especially for screenwriting, a lot of crazy stuff that maybe you don't want to waste a novel on. Sure. Like you don't want to get in that deep. You know, it's not that thick. Can I ask you a quick question, just in regard to that? Yeah. <clears throat> now, now you and I are the same. We came from acting, and now mm-hmm. we're writers. Do you? I find for me, and I don't mean to interrupt. You were about to get into your thought. Just keep your thought. I find for me, I find that, and I've never been a series regular on a show. I've recurred mm-hmm, on a couple mm-hmm. of shows, but I've never been a series regular. So I don't know what it's like to be every single week doing the show. Now, so my question for you is this. That what, what makes me so 
um, happy about being a writer is when I first started writing and I wrote Fade In, I was like, that's the feeling I get when I'm standing there in a, on a TV show next to Blair Underwood. <laughs> that's the feeling I got when I was, you know what I mean, sitting in my trailer. Yeah. You know what I mean? I constantly, still to this day, whenever I write, I still feel the exact same excitement about it. You know what I mean? And I'm 15, 16 years in now. When I write you know a book, I, mean? I feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I write comics or for screen, I really feel like I'm a person, I'm an architect more so than a writer. Hmm. I don't get that surge you're talking about mm-hmm. until the until we wrap post. Mm, because Not even fade out. No, because I am writing a blueprint that I'm going to hand off to a bunch of other people. And hopefully I'll get to stay in features you don't. But in okay. TV, yeah. you can get to stick around. Mm-hmm. So I'm the beginning of a procedure that's going to end in a piece of artwork. I'm sorry. I'm the beginning of a procedure that's going to end in a piece of artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that artwork is complete, which means actors and sound and, and makeup and freaking locations and everything, when it's mm-hmm. finally complete, then I lean back and I go, holy crap, that came out of my head. Mm-hmm. What about you, Chris? Well, there's... So your writing is, is very... There's not much enjoyable about it. <laughs> and, 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 and two reasons. Because one, the initial joy I get is like the initial idea. And how it's like, and that's like the pure idea in my head. Or when my brother and I are talking and it's like, this would be cool. Mm-hmm. And then everything you do when you're putting on the paper is like it's never really living up to the main idea. No way. Yeah. But it constantly go back to the main idea to be refreshed, to like it. Mm-hmm. But because I come from a photography background, mm-hmm. it's what you said. It's about shooting. It's all about shooting. You know, to me, there's nothing more um, invigorating than just being on set. I mean, it's something you saw the other day yeah. when we were shooting the thing. Yeah. So simple. We were just shooting a little scene in the, in the office next door. Okay. And, you know, and my younger brother was like, he tweeted this thing home to my parents. He was like, yeah, we did this thing. And it's the first time I've seen Chris happy out here. <laughs> you know? Because it's like, that's the only well, time. He's, that- he's only happy once we say action. But leading up, he's like, but when you the know, fuck are we going to shoot this That's thing? interesting because my wife, I've done this last year, even though I left the show The Librarians, which is premiering for its third season tonight. I'm not part of The Librarians no more, y'all. I left. Okay. But... Um, she would come in sometimes and see me working and be like, how come you're not happy? Because when we first started out and I was writing for free, mm-hmm. trying to get my stories across, she says, you don't seem happy when I'm looking at you. And I'm like, what you're expecting can't really happen at this stage of the job, hmm. right? Explain it, like, explain like, it to the kids. Um, I'm not sitting here sort of third-eyeing myself going, dig me, I'm a writer, here mm-hmm. I am writing, isn't this great, this one moment I mm-hmm. wrote and all that kind of stuff. It isn't even as specific as, wow, I like this particular actress and she's about to say these lines and I know she's mm-hmm. going to kill it. My producer brain goes, <laughs> homegirl about to kill Yes, this. We're going to get an Emmy, mm-hmm. you know, like that. Right. We'll never get Emmys. You know, if there's a dragon in <laughs> it and it's right. not uh, Game of Thrones, right. you ain't getting no Emmys. Walking Dead and even nominated. Right? You know so, that's bullshit. But um, I do think that that this the part of the process where you're making um, is when it becomes most interactive. Mm-hmm. So like when I'm when I'm home alone with a novel idea, I'm I'm the whole novel. I'm I'm God. Mm-hmm. But you're not God on a screen on when you're writing a screenplay. You're mm-hmm. one of many angels. Yeah, you know, um, even a director on a feature, unless they're gigantic. Still has to answer to somebody. Sure. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's. Uh, 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 I mean, 
the thing about directing a feature, someone was saying this the other day, and it makes a lot of sense, is why there's so much stress and pressure to get the script so good. It's that they were saying that once you get the green light, everyone else is hostage to the director and the actors. <laughs> yeah. And they can't do anything at that mm-hmm. point. Unless they drop an A-bomb and fire you and start yeah, over. Well, or but, but, but no, but at that but point... It they, rarely happens. But at that point, if they bring in a new director, then they're just... Is, is the we new, want a new hostage taker. There's a new kidnapper. We need a new kidnapper. So, you know, like, so, I mean, and, but... I, and I don't think... That was interesting to me to hear from someone in development say that's how they think. Mm-hmm. And, I don't, and I think that filmmakers, they look at it as like, just give us that shot to be there to like... Like you said earlier, it's like being the conductor. Because mm-hmm. you see, I think in television you are the boss. It's more like the foreman where you gotta like, because you gotta get so much shit done every day. Fil- directing on TV is a wildly different job yeah, than directing it's, it's, for features. It's like you know, wildly. The, the machine is like, like it's like you're putting the house up and you got three days of you know whatever fuck it is. You and it's do this it. house. Yeah. Don't build an extra <laughs> room. I don't want a basement when there was no basement in the plants. I'm not gonna come back and shoot on day 15. We're gonna <laughs> right. come back. We're gonna redo this scene because we have time. Yeah. None you build this house. So um, <laughs> yeah, quickly. So wildly different. So yeah. So that's that. <laughs> okay. Let's next move question. On to the next one. So what sort of stories excite you and why? Well. Right now, the stories that excite me are stories that um, I feel look at humanity in a way that um, is kind of exciting to me in terms of what they're going through emotionally. Mm-hmm. Like, really has something that resonates with me. Like, you give a, give you them know? an example. So, right now, I'm not going to say who the person is, but mm-hmm. I told you the script I'm working this mm-hmm. old. This not a well, is there? Can can I take it a step further? Is there an example of a movie or a TV show that tells the type of stories you wish you could do? Why okay, do all right. So, I just caught up on watch. I'm watching Westworld. I've watched three episodes mm-hmm. in the last. Oh yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In right. So I'm still behind. I'm, Me too. I'm like, six. Yeah. Oh, y'all in for a treat. So but what oh, I really like about Westworld is, <laughs> and I didn't notice when I was watching the pilot. I liked it, but but Westworld like has this thing where it's talking about, uh, well, what it's like to be God, mm-hmm. and also there's a big theory about, you know, are you living your life to the fullest, and have you and is there something, you know, the last one I was watching, like issue, issue six, there's this conversation between um, Evan Rachel Wood and this, this guy, I don't remember his name, this actor. And um, this like, this whole thing about what's the path you're on. And you get this sense of they, she's now felt, has she wasted part of her life? Mm-hmm. And therefore, is she now trying to uh, seize the day in a sense, you know? Yeah. And I really like that now for me because... You know, I'm older now, and I mm-hmm. and there's certain things that I haven't done, certain things I still want to do. You know, there's there's a lot right when I look back wistfully, like, and and I can say to myself, there were times where I was wasting w- wasting time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was just reading this book, um, <clears throat> the th- dialogue one or something. No, this book by Robert Greene, the thirty two strat- the thirty three strat- the thirty three strategies of war, mm-hmm. right? And there's just one, like one of the I think strategies five or six is you know be on the death ground. <laughs> Right, puts yourself on the death ground, mm-hmm. and they give a story about uh, Dostoevsky. When he was like 25, he joined this radical group that then got um, 
arrested by the czar and they were all <laughs> crap. you know talking about oh well we're in jail for six months and what happens usually is we're in jail for six months and then we get sent to hard labor camp for like a year that's what usually happens sure these guys were after they were in jail for nine months <laughs> and then they were pulled out and they were brought up to this firing squad because the czar wasn't playing <laughs> <laughs> they were all in the fire squad. And they were like, "This is Wait, this. What? This can't be happening. Yeah. We can't be getting killed because who the hell happened?" And then, That's not how it works. you know, they're all tied up and masks on their heads, and the troops. And then, the last second, they get the reprieve. Mm. And then he got just like four years in Siberia, and then he did four years in the Russian army. But they were saying that when he was in Siberia, and he and he wasn't allowed to write anything because he was like writing all this propaganda shit. Mm-hmm. He he like. He wrote some of his famous novels in his head and just memorized them. So when he got out, when he got out and he was writing, he wrote his brother and he got in the army. He was like, I can't waste any more time. Got to hurry up and write this. Right. I got to write now. I got, I got to get done what I want to get done. I, get, I can't. It's not like being a writer is not this leisurely thing where I can sit mm-hmm. back and kick it in a salon and mm-hmm. have fun. And it's like, so the idiot, Dusty, you know, and Crime and Punishment and Brothers Karamazov is like, memorize books wow. before he had a chance to write them. Yeah. It's like, like yeah, uh, John that's... McCain building his house neighborhood in his house when he was a POW. Yeah. <laughs> Built a whole neighborhood in his head mm-hmm. to keep from going nuts. Yeah, so, you that's know. It's pretty cool. That's that. What, what about you? Um, um, hmm. What stories well, excite you? Things that excite me, I got into writing because of Star Trek and because of comic books and because of uh, Ursula Le Guin's mm-hmm. A Wizard of Earth Sea. Mm. Um, I like stories that take me places that I can't walk to or fly to. Mm. Um, I've been a lot. I've lived around the world a lot. I grew up in several different countries. Spent like you're you a military were, kid. No, just okay. the child of a crazy man. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I saw a lot of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, very early. Um, so I, it's a big old world and it's mm-hmm. got a lot of interesting stories in it. And I love all the stories. I feel all those stories belong to me mm-hmm. as a human. We mm-hmm. share every single one of us owns everything. Mm-hmm. I own Einstein and I own Hitler. Mm-hmm. I own both of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, but there's so many stories that are inside people's heads that you're like, what? Um, mm-hmm. so, and it can be a horror story. It can be a romance. It can be whatever. As long as it takes me to a place that I can't get by myself. Mm-hmm. And I can get a lot of places by myself, mm-hmm. so it really has to be something. So, yeah. like, so you truly like to world build, that's for sure. I liked. Uh, but here's a good example. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of people. My old, my old boss and I are kind of friends. Chris Downey. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a weird day where it was just us, and the day was like a weird, like two thirds of a day. There were no other writers. Mm-hmm. I was there to <laughs> everybody get some was notes right. <laughs> or Everybody was out or something. <laughs> and I was there for no reason too. I mm-hmm. just happened. He's like, you know what? Screw this. Let's go to the movies. Oh, really? What's up? What's playing? And we went to see Cloud Atlas. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I love that movie. Right. Yeah. I fucking love Cloud Atlas. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but a lot of people didn't. And so prior to me going to see it, all I'd heard was all this negative buzz. Mm-hmm. I go to see this movie and I'm just like... It's still standing. This is like the greatest independent movie you've ever seen in your you'll, life. And you'll ever see. You will ever mm-hmm. see in your life with shitloads of money under it so it can be done right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why you'll never see the movie. You'll I mean, never that, see it. That was like a, like a $170 million like independent film. Really? It is the craziest, oh. greatest movie. And I watch it and I'm like, how is this all this shit going to tie together? Because <laughs> I'm a little irritated. Like, I, I could see why people checked out because mm-hmm. their attention spans are low. Okay. And they get to a point in the movie where, like, all right, this is all very interesting. 
how the fuck does all this <laughs> shit tie together? Well, you better wrap this shit up. Mm -hmm. but, but when well, they do well, wrap the, it up. I mean, look, the structure of that is so crazy. Yeah. And, and, and like, I read the book. I don't mean to interrupt you, but, but the book is different. That's what I hear. The book is set up in a way where each story is told. It's discreet. As it, it, and it goes to, to a climax point and then stops. And then jumps to the next. The next what? It jumps. That's hey, aggravating. And it jumps forward in hmm. history and history, and th then it meets in the middle for that final story okay. when when uh, uh, Tom Hanks was the, the older guy yeah, and, yeah, and he yeah. was with Halle Berry in the future. Right, right. Like that's the middle story, the, okay. the back middle of the book, and then they do something, and then it then backtracks and tells the the, the rest of the story. It, it, it closes. The, wow. The, the closing. Now I got to read that story. book. That's awesome. And, and so when I read the book, I was like. No way this is the movie because no one would sit down because you wouldn't mm. be able to. You couldn't do it. You're fucking with everyone too strongly. And, it, and, the, and as it was, it still fucked fuck with people too, too strongly. strongly. Yeah. But here's the thing about a powerful story and why I like them. Mm -hmm. When you get to the end, if you have the balls to go through that movie, because it isn't a struggle. It's just you've been conditioned to like a movie a particular way. Mm -hmm. And the way that movie went, it kept leading you to believe it was this kind of movie. Mm -hmm. And it's really this mm -hmm. other it's kind of movie, movie okay. right? So when I get to the end of it, it was like someone invited you over to what you thought was like a beat up down and out taco shack somewhere <laughs> and then they start bringing out all this like fine Mexican cuisine dancing girls and merengue and all this shit's going you know, on the, and at the end of the meal you feel like in Los Angeles for the five from five o'clock to seven o'clock somebody took your ass to old Mexico mm. for real mm -hmm. and then said okay that's for you you don't even need to lead a tip honey just go on go on with your day yeah. so stories like that mm -hmm. stories that even even stories that try to do that and don't always make it there's some try some movies that have reached for that and don't quite make it I love them more than the one that just goes right down the middle and hits it hard well yeah, those, I, mean, yeah I mean those movies that are oh, you, okay, okay. I mean those movies that are beautiful failures in a sense some they, they they're amazing because that's see to me that's the power of of of, of cinema mm -hmm. that television doesn't do. Television can't do that because television if 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 if, if, if someone did some shit like that on TV, old school TV can't do it. Modern TV, TV could do it. Think well, about Westworld. All right, well, well I've, wait till you get there. In. I'll see it. <laughs> I'll see it. In and see. Yeah. But 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 Westworld. That's that's arguably like a three hundred million dollar investment. Yeah, and so therefore yeah, that's not that's not that's not most television. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, let me tell you, my but, friend. But, let me but, say this but to we'll you. See, but we'll we, see. We'll let's say just as a thought experiment. It's not so much that the money spent. It's that the stories that TV is ne what we call TV. It's really Netflix and the web mm -hmm. and all that stuff. That's what it, smaller entertainment, right. physically smaller Small. entertainment. The stories they're willing to try to tell now are completely divorced from what they used to because yeah. TV is really about selling products. Yeah, it's not Netflix that, it's is not, the product is the show. So right, mm. right. That's true. That's true. That's I mean, that's true. I mean, the, uh, the, uh, speaking of Claude Atlas, because okay. they did the the, the, the Wachowskis did that Sense Eight show. I love Sense. Which this was an amazing show that no one was talking about because it's which one is it? What's it's called Sense Eight. Sense Eight. Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Because again, it's a similar type of thing where ballsy and it's so ballsy. Mm -hmm. This thing is 12 episodes. I watched the first seven in the first three weeks that it came out, and I was mm -hmm. like, I can't watch it anymore. It's like, it's so complicated for me. I just, like, and I was like, what else is going on? I was like, I love what's happening, but not enough is happening right now. And it's at a weird time in my life, we, and, we oh. get ready, and, and, and we're getting ready to shoot 
Arkansas is a crime. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I was like, I'm going to come back and watch the rest of it later. Mm-hmm. And then the next episode, it all came together. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. I should just watch one more. <laughs> I love and then I would have been in for the rest. Because, I love because, like, because there was like that one episode, I think it was episode eight, maybe it's episode seven, where everything came about what the show was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And the minute that I got that, I was like, this is fucking cool. And, and I burned through the next four in like two days. That's and, exactly and, right. And, and I'm not someone to been watching television. And you're right. I mean, look. I'll agree with you. Like to me, most things that I have to do is things that take me to places that I, that aren't the world that I live in, mm-hmm. or and and because I've been a lot of places in the world, right. Too, like you, it's like things that are outside of of, of America's comfort zone mm-hmm. are way more fascinating to me. Right. But those stories don't sell a lot over here unless you're a certain type of people, certain type sure. of individual, right? And 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 it's and it's exponentially harder if you're black, um, <laughs> and then adding gay or adding know, female, like that, and it's it like just keeps wildly, getting, wildly, yeah. wildly. But you know, but it's like, but, but it's, then look at Sense Eight. But, 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 yeah, but the, yeah, I mean, yeah, that show, that show. You can't believe it, Hillier. See, I think see, I watched the pilot. See, 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 there's there's scenes in that show. I was reading how they shot the shit. Where I was like. From just a production point of view, you're fucking with people. Yeah. Because what would because like if you you know, people are all people are in eight it's eight different people who are eight different cities in the world. Mm-hmm. Different continents. Different continents. Mm-hmm. And they'll and, and they have this ability to interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Like on this, directly interact. Directly. So and the, you know, and so they would do scenes where there's a German guy who's talking with he's sitting in the rain in a courtyard in Germany mm-hmm. and the woman he's talking to is in Mumbai <laughs> and it's sweaty yeah daytime and then, sweaty and, and yeah. what will happen is so she'll be in his part and they'll both be wet because it's raining and yeah. then you know the camera will just cut to the you know the to over her shore side. Mm-hmm. and then you're in Mumbai finishing the conversation that you shot maybe months previous right oh, yeah. and then they still gotta be wet again because he's still wet because he's wet where he is. So their continuity and had their to be continuity on point. Is they, off they came to play. Shame. They came to play. And that's a really good show. I mean, people <laughs> haven't seen it. If, 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 you have to watch. Go it. through up to episode eight, and then just be like, and then you just be like, I'm in. I'm in. And there's just, just and well, there's and there's a part I don't in Mexico think you need to go that far. I think once they get once I think what it is is that the the thesis of Sense Eight is we're mm-hmm. all in this together. Okay. Right. Yeah. If you can't get anything else out of Sense Eight, you don't get that out of Sense Eight. You need to not watch any more television, <laughs> okay? Because they might as well hit you in the face with a hammer that says we're all in this together. <laughs> but you, I think a lot of people's criticism, I know for the earlier episodes, is what the hell is the actor storyline part of this? For mm-hmm. Right. I see all these other interesting lives, but I know what an actor's life is, right? And I'm not going to spoil anything for you all. Every one of these characters has a secret that is known to the people who are they're able to communicate with, whether they wish to know it or not. The actor definitely has a big secret. Mm-hmm. But in the scheme of sort of this is almost like a techno thriller, sci-fi thriller yeah. type tone, you're kind of like, okay, that's a, that's a secret. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm making a weird face. Um, <laughs> that's a weird secret. But does it stack up against all these other crazy secrets? Sure, sure. And then like the African dude with the bus, why is he involved? Why do we care about him? I can see an average viewer asking those questions. I, I trust that the writer production team, Straczynski and the Wachowski brothers, when I see their names on something, I'm like, I may not always like where you take me, mm-hmm. but I know you know where we're going. And that trust of creator gets me through a moment where I might not get what they're doing. I don't know if the average audience member gives people that benefit. They don't. They they so. really don't. I mean there's there's another guy involved that is 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 Tom Twiker, the director who mm-hmm. who did who did um 
uh, Cloud Atlas That's with them. That's so funny. And he did, you know, and he so did. I'm keen, I'm keen to the writing and the production and it, side, and you're keen to the director. No, 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 no. The, no, the reason why is because I know, you know, I'm watching that thing, and they're saying that, I'm like, okay, these guys directed it, and the third episode is done by Tom Tarker. I'm like, okay. oh, that's their boy. Right. And they do it all the time together doing Cloud Atlas right. and some other shit. And, you know, and he and he I love from, like, International and from. He directed the International? The International yeah, and, and Run Lola Run and Perfume. So he's a fucking fantastic director. Run Lola and, Run. And, 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 and because he gets them as writers and people, mm-hmm. then I know it's more. It's not just like a, a director we brought in. It's like their boy, right? Who's he really, who's really too. part of the camp and, and understands and how to make that it work. Episode he came in on is probably one let let him loose on this episode. Yeah, 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 <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Because his technique is styled differently, and then his. But yeah, right. The, the Mexican guy, his his storyline is so fascinating. It's like you have to see. It. I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, you can't spoil I, I don't it. spoil. There's that moment in like later on in the episodes when they're in that museum in Mexico City. Yeah, yeah. The, that's the it's like where Diego Rivera put up his donated mm-hmm. little stuff. It's just like it's so touching. It's so like this is what stories should be doing. Like find a way to let us know why our humanity is. So that that's what you connect to. That's what I connect. You to. can't like, not. Well, like, I mean, ultimately, you, like you have to do that. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's like, like you have to find. That's what I'm saying. But you got to find a moment that I mean, whatever it is that lets you um, do like do the humanity like like view. And I think that what you're saying is uh, with me too. Like fiction, science fiction, fantasy type of stuff. That that stuff strips away a lot of other kind of things that would distract people. Yeah, and it allows you to focus in on an element that I really want to hit harder. One of the things about this thing, it is a science fiction piece. It's a straight up science fiction piece. They haven't really over the. One thing I will spoil for you, mm-hmm. although you think uh, you know, isn't it over a year ago? Whatever, I'm saying for you specifically. <laughs> I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you Hilliard. Hill dog. Mind. You can tell me. I'm not spoiling this for yet. you though, because <laughs> it's sort of a half a spoiler, which yeah. is. You're going to, at the end of the first season, think you know how it works, but they really never actually explain it. They don't. Okay. They don't. You feel like you know, because mm-hmm. you've seen how the characters in the show have sort of figured out a way to make the thing work for them, mm-hmm. but you you need season two. You have to come back for season well, yeah. two. Well, well, yeah, because they introduced in like episode 10 or 11, there's right. like there's another party, group, right? and you're like, oh! Oh shit! <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Which episodes left? So you, let's go. You know. But getting into um, writing of books and stuff. Most recently, there's been this whole. It's fascinating with the whole rise of Trump and the sort of what they're calling the white lash. Like mm-hmm. all all the people who weren't straight white males are getting the crap kicked out of us for centuries. And in the last, <laughs> literally in my lifetime, so mm-hmm. in the last forty plus years. Mm-hmm. A great many of those legal barriers, those social barriers, have been either knocked down or cut in half, or by a lot. A lot, mm-hmm. you can see the, the field on the other sure, side of the sure, wall, sure. right? So there's a huge backlash in the writing of science fiction. That backlash took the form of a bunch of people going, "We're all these gay people and women and non-whites writing, all, you're getting all mm-hmm. these awards. We should be writing stuff about, you know, John Carter, Warlord of Mars." And, and it's like they're mad about it. But one of the things that's happened in um, sci-fi for years that I think people of color have always been bugged by is, let's say you have a great writer who wants to discuss a particular social ill, Mm -hmm. they always use the proxy alien. They always put a white person on on the 
alien of the the, the asparagus people, sure. the, the world of the asparagus people. And the asparagus people had a problem with racial discrimination mm-hmm. because the dark green, you know, asparagus people really didn't like the light green or the greenish yellow asparagus people. And like, y'all talking about apartheid, right? Why don't you just talk about apartheid, <laughs> you know? And from the point of view of the black reader, it's like, why are you making this leap? Just talk about the thing. The thing is interesting enough, right? Uh, Write a science fiction story about the thing, mm-hmm. right? And so for years, there was this back and forth where the white writer would say, well, yeah, but I'm trying to reach people who might not be particularly inclined to read a story about black people. I don't want to keep my sales up, right. blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, well, then you need to leave this third rail alone because you're not actually <laughs> addressing it, which was, was basically the... Well, y- but Sense8, and I think some other more recent projects mm-hmm. like Advantageous by Jennifer Fang and a bunch of other people, they are saying basically, screw that, let's go right at it. We can have a science fiction component and still go right at it. Um, I, did you see Advantageous? Did we talk about that? No, we talk about, no, no. Jennifer Fang, um, uh, they made a, a sci-fi movie called Advantageous around the same time as Ex Machina, which got all this crazy hype, whatever. Um, Ex Machina was a good movie, but mm. it was discussing subject matter that had been exhausted in like 1978 <laughs> in, in science fiction books. Uh, Advantageous was roughly the same budget mm-hmm. made by largely Asian American backing, largely Asian American cast. Oh, I had this on my Netflix okay. too. Jennifer Fang is a fantastic director. She, mm-hmm. I think she's been doing a bunch of The Exorcist right now, which mm-hmm. is basically why I'll be watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, got no publicity. But it's a straight-up sci-fi thing about what some might call women's issues, but mm-hmm. are really about identity and aging and social, how, that, how, how our society eats people in this mm-hmm. particular way. And they didn't use a proxy freaking alien, nor does Sense8 use a proxy alien, nor does Cloud Atlas use a proxy alien. They mm-hmm. go right at the thing, and you can't tell me it's not hardcore sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So um, those are the kinds of stories that let me into people's points of view points of ways of addressing what you think of as a common subject that we all know what we think about it. Um, again, I made a hand gesture. I don't know why I'm doing that. Nobody can see them. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's what I like when well, I me, see that. And that's why I recommend Sense8. And I'm sure. surprised it didn't blow the hell up like it should have. Well, let me just say this little piece. <clears throat> so this is more about me asking you guys questions. Okay. And so that people at home can learn how to personalize what the thing is for them. Mm-hmm. For me... What, what, what stories excite me are the stories that, like, for instance, I always go back to, like, why I write, right? So I go back to the stories that excite me, which are underdog stories. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I always find a way, if you ever read any script that I hand you, in some way, somebody's the underdog. And I think it comes from my background, being a black dude from the hood, gay, et cetera, et cetera, being the punk rock kid in the neighborhood. I'm always the outsider trying to get in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I always find a way to horror, drama, comedy, whatever I'm writing, somebody is trying to get in somewhere. They're the underdog in some way. You know what I mean? Well, okay. So this is... So I'm attracted to that, so, which feel, is why I feel like moved me so much because he was so, the underdog. I haven't right. seen it yet. Oh you should see. It. Well, so, so this is like two things that you're talking. This is like part of another question, maybe. But I, this, okay. So theme and that kind of element. I mean, I that that occurs a lot to me. I mean, mm-hmm. I tend to like to write redemption stories. Okay, and I like redemption stories because mm-hmm. there's there's been things in my life where like people have have either misread me on things that I've done or and I feel like it's just kind of it's kind of like an underdog thing in a sense but mm-hmm. it's kind of like I have to make something right I, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just for me mm-hmm. but that has a lot to do with you know stuff that I read stuff that I write that has a lot to do with like uh, I, I, 
on a more micro level, like when I'm designing sentences mm-hmm. or when I'm designing how people are are responding to sen- you know to events mm-hmm. in the in in the story, you have to think about like what's the transport of language that helps your scene. I like happen too, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I'll just you know, there's like a moment. Oh, I want to talk about this thing, but I can't because um, I'm still that. working on it. But, it, but it's just one of those. Yeah, you don't want to get it. Out yeah, where, 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 where it's like you <laughs> have to say, you know, that's to me that just helps you write because 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 then you find a joy, and this is what I do find joy. Mm-hmm. You do find a joy in how you're constructing the sentences sure. and what you're trying mm-hmm. to do. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a short story I wrote called Purity mm-hmm. about it's set in this world where like. All the water in the world is blighted by a, you know, like um, a nuclear event from the, the Cuban Missile Crisis that actually went down, mm-hmm. say like twenty, thirty years from now. And there's this water that can, there's water that's been engineered that can clean other water by contact, hmm. right? And but the story's about a guy. That's, that's not like you, brother Jeff. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I got a big old smile on my yeah, face. Yeah, and, but and the story's about a guy who. Fucked up his schooling and mm-hmm. you know it was a common course. So I wanted to talk about that, and mm-hmm. he has to make it. He has to make his world right for his for his life, and he promised his wife that he'd make the white the, uh, the he'd give them a good life, mm-hmm. and he hasn't. Mm-hmm. But here's a shot to do that. Mm-hmm. It also gives him this sense of like I'm more of who I should be. Like I can sure. live my more authentic, true self if I can just get to here. You mm-hmm. know, and it's like and that's that's his journey. Mm-hmm. The whole thing with the water is just like, you know, I, story. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, like that's my MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah right. You know, yeah. but but you know, and that's how I wanted to set it up because that's what like. So when I'm writing it and what he's going through emotionally, like those lines of is all about like. But that's the the the, know, the, the sci-fi parts, the the shiny wrapping paper to make right. somebody go, mm-hmm. oh neat neat, yeah. what's that? Yeah. But it it will fall completely flat without the other right the thing that you're describing, right. which is what it's really about. Right. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, and there's a lot of sci-fi, particularly mm-hmm. science fiction and fantasy. Yeah. That is primarily about the MacGuffin. Yeah. And it's totally. very difficult to watch, or very difficult mm-hmm. to read, or very good. And because, they fail. And they fail. That's why they fail. Yeah. And there's people, and that shit is more written. Because people write it and get it out as opposed to being made because I'm not putting $2 million behind shit like that, you know? And it's crazy. The thing that always drives me nuts, and it's a fascinating thing to me anyway, a couple of years back, I do these weird thought experiments of what's the minimum amount of money I would take to make <laughs> this movie I want to make, mm-hmm. right, or this show I want to make. Mm-hmm. Hilliard and I went down a little, yeah, little road on that on a, a Netflix pilot we were trying to maybe mm-hmm. put together. But... Um, one of the things that's fascinating to me is you can make a shitty <laughs> movie for the same amount of money it costs to make a good movie. Correct. And if you do your prep right, someone should read the script and go, really? The girl's going to do all that? Can't she? Like, we're not going to change the scene structure. We're not going to change the locations. Can you just give her, can you make her a person? Mm-hmm. Like, give, do another pass just looking at the female, this particular female character. Mm-hmm. Make her a person. I don't know what that means. Writer, go write that and make it a person, <laughs> right? And then you give me a draft that's basically the same movie, but all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's freaking Taxi Driver or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah, because there's humans in it. Mm-hmm. And what generally happens with weaker screenwriters and I think lazy or, or frankly hack screenwriters mm-hmm. is they become so plot dependent. They All they care about is I got to hit this tentpole in the plot. I got to hit this ne- next beat in the plot. Mm-hmm. I'm following that Sid Field book by, mm-hmm. by page 15. This better happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not how stories are told and that's not why people remember stories. Right, that's not why stories reach mm-hmm. in. There's no mechan- There's no mechanical. There's no mechanical means by which you may generate this. You must 
to be memorable. Casablanca was a one-off, yeah. one of many movies that were made <laughs> that year. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought that shit was going to blow up. It was just one more Bogart right. movie. Who gives a shit? <laughs> and it was basically, like basically a bottle episode. All this mm-hmm. shit. From the point of view of a of a of feature making, mm-hmm. that was a bottle episode. It was shot entirely on the back lot <laughs> in basically three rooms. It cost a dime to make, and it was part of Bogey's oh, contract. I never knew that part. Okay. Interesting, really. So at mm. the t- and by the way, it had been a reasonably successful play, mm-hmm. right? They tried it once before, and it had bombed, mm. right? Like, all this other stuff mm. going in, but we don't remember everybody goes to Rick's. Mm-hmm. We don't remember that stage play, mm-hmm. which got reasonably good reviews. Okay, we remember the shit out of Casablanca <laughs> because of the people in it, the yeah. things that were done. It wasn't just the acting; it was well written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well. So you mentioned this thing with the Sid Field book and the plot points and stuff like that. I mean, like, I look at those points, you know, because that that to me is a pacing issue, right? Yes. See, see, mm-hmm. people need to look at those those points as this is your fence. Correct. This is so exactly how I see it. It's it's exactly how I see it. And and you have all this room to play mm-hmm. to show me the people. Right. You know, because that and and you and then you realize that, oh, if I'm if my act break is here, say say you say you're following the save the cat thing. Mm-hmm. My act break is at page thirty and mm-hmm. he's telling me it's at page twenty five. Then I have a pacing issue, which means mm-hmm. you gotta go back and rewrite and figure out how to make the people pop with less space. That's where you're, and, you're, and, and that's that's your craft. Correct. How do I, you know, this is this scene's a page and a half. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a page. Yeah. How but do see, I make it pop see, in a page problem, as though. opposed to a page and a half? I mean, and, and that's tricky. But see, that's exactly the problem and the, and the thing that I have with everybody. People hand me these scripts and I'm like, this is too long. And they're like, well, why is it too long? You, I have 110, 120 pages. I'm like, you should be trying to get to like 105, 100. You should be trying to think faster so that your act breaks, for instance, become under. And here's the you problem. You try to get it at page 24, 25, 26. And if TV, you know what I mean? you if, try to get if TV is different than motion pictures in, in any way, it isn't precisely that sure. way. Because we, at least until very recently, have exclusively been married to a particular number of act breaks Correct. because we have to have commercial breaks at the act break. Well, we now they're doing seven kind of, on a lot of shows. It's crazy. We were, losing our cra- we were losing our shit when they made us go to six because it breaks up the way a story is told. Totally. Like after a certain point, you just can't. Be, you're not telling a story, mm-hmm. right? You're just doing sort of weird vignettes that end mm-hmm. up in a commercial. Mm-hmm. So writers will push back on that. But the thing is, is that, and I think it's it's a legitimate thing to use as a crutch. When new writers come in, I don't I don't forgive older writers. Older writers get a smack. <laughs> but new writers, when they come in, you're looking for that thing that you can hold on to while you flail into the writing, mm-hmm. while you're doing your best but not really feel you're feeling your way through. You want that sort of like, okay, those are the anchor points. And the anchor points are those plots, sure. right? You know how the plot's going to go because in theory you've done an outline, mm-hmm. so you know where you're going. So I can hang on to that and by page 20-something I have to have done this and all and that all makes sense. But the, the, the trap is mm-hmm. that you think that those that, that ladder is the building. Yeah. And the ladder is just the thing you climb to get into the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. when you get the opportunity to go back and add what some might be unnecessary nuance, mm-hmm. it's the difference between the girlfriend who gets shot and she's only there to get shot and the partner who risks her freaking life, Correct. takes down six of the other guys, mm-hmm. dies in your arms and says, motherfucker, don't fuck yeah. this up because I just yourself. sacrificed my exactly. shit for you. Exactly. That's a better woman in a fridge, mm-hmm. so-called, than... 
a woman in a fridge. Correct. You still don't want to do it, but if you have to do it, mm-hmm. make it fucking matter. Yeah, well, and that's a draft. Well, that's well, a draft. Well, well, you know, I was watching this show, um, Good Behavior, mm-hmm. the other day, just I to pile on yet. that, Any and uh, um, it's, it's TNT, right? Yeah, TNT. I, I like those TNT dramas. They're 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 kind of elevated in a way. Um, you know, some stuff happens in the beginning, and blah blah, blah and she's kind of crazy. And there's just a moment where she's on the phone. And she's just talking, and she's like, and and you kind of know context of what's going on. And even the dialogue is a little, um, it's not clearing anything up hmm. until she gets to the end, and she's like, "Mom, don't be so cruel to me." And then she starts crying, hmm. and then she like. She's like, mom, mom, because you know her mom's hung up the phone, and she like throws the phone against the wall, mm. and all of a sudden, and she's like doing some little petty crimes, and it's kind of like, so she just seemed like a grifter kind of thing, and you're like, oh, now I get it. Now I see there's something really about her. Like mm. she's not just she's more flawed you know, than you. It's just a small, and and, it's, and and you don't hear the mom on the other side. You just mm-hmm. hear her talking. And it's one of those things where it's like when you're, it's one of those things about the, like like writing dialogue. You know, I was telling you, there's a thing, there's like, there's three different ways to do, to, to, to put information in the dialogue. Correct. You can put it in the top, you can put mm-hmm. it in the middle, you can bury it at the end. And depending on, you know, how, depending on what kind of suspense level you want to do in the scene, you mm-hmm. drop it, you drop the key thing yeah. at the end. You do it with subtext, you know, or whatever. Yeah, you know, and, it's, and right. everything else is leading up to that. You know, because right. if, she, if she'd opened the scene and said, hey, mom. Then the rest of it is just kind it's just of like talking. it's just talking, right? You know, but you but don't know having, that. You know, that, a perfect example of that is this Amazon show uh, Goliath that I just. Oh, yeah. oh I, I would have watched that. I would have Wa- watched that. Writers watch the shit out of that show. <laughs> um, David E. Kelly, who I've personally, frankly, written off as mm-hmm. like he had his time. Yeah. Uh, he did that terrible Wonder Woman script, and I was like, they were David, shooting it here. Remember yeah. Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah, I met him, yeah. and he was really nice yeah, I did too. Really um, nice. But. Um, I was like, I, I'm. This was full disclosure. I used to be a huge David E. Kelly fan, and mm-hmm. then I was really not a David E. Kelly yeah. fan. I was like, come on, David, you're rich. You don't need to do this. If you, you want to go play, go play. Right? Uh, he came to play on yeah. this one, and it's it's what we were sort of talking about before. It's the difference between being forced to adhere to the traditional old school network standard mm-hmm. versus I'm just telling you, motherfuckers, a cool ass story. Watch this shit. Mm. Well, you, you know, it's you, great, and, and it fits what you just said about where to drop the data, where you know how to shape a scene where the revelation at the end of what is just a discreet little scene, and at the end of it, you go, "Oh my god!" Even though it was beautiful before mm-hmm. that, it's just like that ding. Mm-hmm. Now nah, I got you, mm-hmm. you know. And it's a, it's a, it's a textbook to for a writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there there, there was a, somebody read. I have this quote that I have. I have all these quotes of like myself. Mm-hmm. And a key, <laughs> a, 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 a keyboard, and I write these things that I really like about. There's like three that I really have. Then one of them was I really think is so interesting is this guy was saying, um, it might be Stephen King, but he was saying, um, the writer must be vigilant that he could lose the reader with. Any word mm-hmm. on any page. Say it again. Say that again. Okay. Like that. Say it again. The writer must be vigilant to know he's not gonna that that he can lose the reader with any word on any page. Damn. Right. And therefore you got it. Real talk. I mean, it's given to you. Yeah, Nothing yeah. is given to you. You know, and you're like, I mean, the fucking thing about that is, 
no matter how well you you're beat not really in control. <laughs> no, no, no. That, you either no, are or no, you are. That is your yeah. It's yeah. It's, I mean, it's like you could go thirty five pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then fuck up like one scene or True. one sentence on a page. Mm-hmm. And I, hey. There, what's that show I was you, talking about the, the bump. last time? It's the big bump, um, right? Uh, the Son of Zorn or whatever yeah, the yeah, show yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did I'm going in again. Yeah. Okay. But Tell it's a again, perfect yeah, example of that <laughs> because I'm watching this thing. I love Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows is in it. It's got mm-hmm. a cartoon barbarian in it, so I'm already <laughs> happy. Like man. Right? Blah, 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 blah. And then I get to this scene where they do this bit and he's trying to get a job and it's all real funny. And the reveal that you describe at the end of the scene is mm-hmm. he gets the job that he's completely unqualified for because he is a diversity hire, yeah. which is revealed to the audience by a check or a little squiggle on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Hire him. He's a diversity hire. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's the sort of Darth Vader version of what you're describing mm-hmm. because the whole scene in theory is funny because he's a goofball. And then it suddenly becomes, no, fuck you, everyone who isn't mm-hmm. like me. Right. With one line right. at totally change the context of the yeah. entire scene. Mm-hmm. So uh, fuck you back, everyone <laughs> who made that particular show. Um, but writers, that matters. One sentence is mm-hmm. enough to, I will never watch another thing. Wow. Of, I will never watch another and episode of that show. That was the pilot, wasn't it? That was the pilot. Wow. I will never watch another episode of that show. And if I remember, if I bother to remember the names of the people behind it, I will mm-hmm. never watch anything that they make. <laughs> hey, but it's real like that. It's yeah. real like that. Yeah, I'm just yeah. an audience member. I don't yeah. write comedy. Mm-hmm. I don't have any backstage knowledge about how sitcoms work or any mm-hmm. of that crap. I'm just some guy guy watching a TV show. Mm-hmm. In that time, in that place, I'm just watching a show. And, you, right. and then all of a sudden you lost a reader. And you, you, lost, lost, a, a, you lost a viewer. You lost a viewer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the, that, that's the thing. I mean, uh, I mean, there's like another... I'll tell you this other thing that I really like that I have written that one of these things. It's like, because yeah, I think we start it's, wrapping it's, it up. Yeah, right. it's fascinating to what we were talking about about craft. It's Every like, episode, I'm going to do that. <laughs> it's um, um, about secrets. Okay. What okay. is it? This is how you really like set all this you're saying about the character, the woman, you don't she's don't just don't shoot her and everything like that, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's that every character has secrets mm-hmm. that for that they're hiding for noble or ignoble reasons. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to let that come out the right way to reveal who they are mm-hmm. and how strong are they going to fight to keep that secret because that's the drama when you press them what do they do yeah, when you press that button that's what do the they drama. do you yeah. know? i mean that's the thing i mean once you and you're like oh okay so so that's, that that helps you get your character cuz then you know this is what this is what's at stake for them all the time mm-hmm. There's a. This is funny. Um, there's a show I used to watch. It's all. It's off the air now. Called Banshee. That was. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love that show. Oh, Christ, love I love that, that show. show. But one of the fascinating things about that show to me, and I don't know because I've never read one of the Banshee scripts, but I can't believe it wasn't also written. Mm-hmm. But the actor did this so well. Was without giving away the whole premise. You have a guy with a history of violence who's in a job of law enforcement, mm-hmm. right? So his way of solving problems is basically with his fists, and he's really, really good. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's a room of eight guys, and they're bigger than him. He's mm-hmm. probably going to take those eight guys, <laughs> and he knows it. Right, so if you kept pushing his buttons, he would get to a point where it's like, look, and like he doesn't have a tell or anything, Mm -hmm. but you could feel like he's like checking his watch, like how long is it going to take to kill all these people, (laughs) right? And And he's already sized them up. He's already sized everybody up. Knows where the exits and the weapons are. This this fight's already over, dudes. You need to stop talking. (laughs) Two minutes ago, right? Yeah, and you can see it on his face. But the way the show is shaped, there's the sort of ape-like boy in my head that's mm-hmm. like, oh, he's about to kick the shit out of these dudes. <laughs> and then there's the adult male mm-hmm. in my head that's like, really? 
you understand that if you beat up these 10 guys, it's going to really screw this mm-hmm. whole thing that you've got going and you're trying to get your life going this mm-hmm. way. You should hide. You should hide right? who you are. You're hiding who you are. Masquerading and, and shit. Like, all of this stuff's going on that if you beat them up, could put that in real jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And you see this look on his face. And every time he gets in that situation, and it's the testament to a well-written, well-created show, part of your brain knows for sure those asses are about to get whipped. Mm-hmm. But the other part of your brain still hopes continues to hope that he will make the right choice this time, hmm, that he will be the person that you want him to. He's almost, he keeps almost being this mm-hmm. better person that he's kind of almost. Well, yeah, well, 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 yeah, because he chose, the, you know, he chose this job that can redeem him. Right. But he, he but, won't let it. And so he won't let it. So you're constantly, him. yeah, he, there's that struggle back and forth. And, with but him. you watch it yeah. and it has to be. Some of those moments had to be scripted. They weren't just improvisational. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, set, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. That is masterful writing mm-hmm. because it's done without words. Mm-hmm. Right? That's yeah. the just writer to, saying to director and actor, here's what this moment is. It just started pouring outside. You're kidding. Holy crap. In L.A. Oh, thank you. I love the weather. It's like Miami and shit where all of a sudden, bam. I wish it would be like this. Right? Yeah, I mean... Remember the episode Messi <laughs> when he fights the, the wrestler? Oh my god! <laughs> the box, whatever it is, that was like an ass beating. No kidding, that was an ass beating. That was beating. A straight up. Yeah, I was like feeling like I mean like we've seen a lot of violence on television mm-hmm. and movies, and no, like, they went in. You know, I'm sitting there cringing. I'm like, fuck. So he got his ass beat. <laughs> yep. And the and the difference between that scene and the scene with Negan in the opening bit of um, oh my god, the right, Walking Dead. Yeah. See, Ooh. I'm out on the Walking Dead. They lost me. And I knew what was coming from the comic books, but yeah, I too. felt that the way that that was shot mm-hmm. was too sort of violence porn. Whereas mm. Banshee is chock full of violence, yeah. but, yeah, but it oh. never came it, off it, like it was porny. It yeah. never came off like, oh, get a little sexual thrill out of mm-hmm. this. It was like a couple of mechanics who knew how to break a human body going at it. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, holy <laughs> crap. Shit. You, it makes you sort of watch it through your, your fingers. fingers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I've been in fights. Mm-hmm. You don't watch mm-hmm. fights that way. They don't no. go that long for no. one thing. But, but like when you watch Negan, there was a sense that the audience, that the makers of that particular episode wanted you to like it, that there was something sexy about it. And I was like, this is not sexy, man. This is not sexy. Don't put me in the, I mean, to me. Don't put me I'm, in, no, I'm not holding that bat. Yeah. I shouldn't be the yeah. one happy to yeah. hold that, that bat. bat. And you it's, made it, it really it, attractive. It's, it's, it's making us be, be sadists. Um, yeah. Speaking of that, did you see the, the, the Chappelle thing? Yeah, of course. Oh, this is this is just that was funny. SNL. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was, yeah. that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> he is a genius. That was funny. DC represent. He's from DC. <laughs> exactly. So pimp. before we wrap up, um, let's just answer one last question. Okay. Let's okay. just try to make this a short one. Okay. Damn it. So, is there anything that the industry is doing? I'm sorry. What should the industry be doing for screenwriters that it isn't doing? Stop hiring your nephews. Hmm. Stop hiring your girlfriends and your daughters mm-hmm. and your sons. And Nepotism. Your, stop that. Stop that. Merit. Take the, nick the names off the scripts. <laughs> Take the names off the scripts and just read them. And if it reaches you, buy that fucking script. Mm-hmm. If it happens to be your nephew who wrote it, great. But if it happens to be some freaking Puerto Rican 12-year-old from the Bronx, mm-hmm. buy the shit out of that script. Mm-hmm. Okay? If, yeah, if there's this fake meritocracy. If, if you mm-hmm. Merit creates money. Ask the NFL. Yeah, good point. A meritocracy creates money, and anyone who's a real player, which I fucking am, mm-hmm. wants a flat field, <laughs> wants it to be merit. Because even if I lose, which I will a lot, mm-hmm. 
there's no shame in that loss because I got beat by Muhammad fucking Ali. Correct. Okay, he's the greatest boxer of all time. <laughs> I, I, motherfucker, I lasted 10, 10 minutes with him. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. How long did you last? But if I win, I also know that there's no thumb on the scale. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to, I can hold my head up. What right. about you, Chris? I would say, I think there's a, um, it's the free shit. The free rewrites, mm -hmm. the, the free, like, like all the free Paper teaming, the free, all that shit. Because, yeah, stop mm -hmm. that shit. Because see, to me, what see, like, all that does is it cheapens what writers do. And honestly, there's nothing without the writers. It's like you saying, it's, that's the key you put in, that, uh, that's the black box that opens up, that hires fucking 50 people. That, that that triggers the sixty million dollars to do a season to Correct. you know to, so don't cheat them don't this one step deal shit in the feature world it's stupid mm -hmm. it's fucked up shit because because guess what what if every fucking writer you know said to actors hey <laughs> come back and do this scene for free because we didn't get it right last time yeah watch that not they're not happen happening. Ever. The whole the whole crew, they come back for three days to yeah, reshoot right. yeah. for free. We were on the wrong hill that day. Because guess the what? The Grips and Gaffers didn't come back yeah, for free. It wasn't. What, what, the first one who's pissed if you didn't call Grace. Yeah. Okay. No kidding. Yeah. You're not doing that to them. You're not doing that yeah. to them. And they're not working unless you get it right. Mm -hmm. Or whoever it is right in this way, get it right. So, And they would never come back for free. And if it's a fuck up, like we didn't like the way it tested. Mm-hmm. You gonna come back for free? <laughs> yeah, there's no such thing as free. But there is for writers. Really I know, which is bullshit. Forget so that stop concept. That shit. Forget that concept. There's That's no such really thing as free. One. And writers from the writer side, mm -hmm. there's different versions of free. Mm -hmm. If you're not being compensated, it doesn't have to be money, especially starting out. But if you're not being compensated in some real tangible way that helps you, correct? Okay. Let's say it's a prestigious publication that you mm -hmm. get into. They don't pay very much, but everyone in the freaking world is going to read it. Take the $50 thing. It should be 500 Correct. Okay? Yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. If they don't want to pay you in money, but they're giving you a brand new editing suite or a recently used editing mm -hmm. suite to take home, maybe consider yeah. doing that. Yeah. A good okay? credit. A good, a good credit. credit. I mean, now, I mean, but that's for starting out. Yeah, sure. but, but, like, but to me, like, even if you're writing and you got a career, I mean, I'm not saying... Don't do anything. I mean, if the, the producers say, hey, can you do like a polish for this week? Can mm -hmm. you, I mean, as you realize, it takes you like a week maybe to polish up this thing. Okay, maybe do that. Here's what I think but about But don't that. have it. I'm going back to the original thing, though. It's a month. If they contracted yeah. you for X number of polishes, because all that stuff's supposed to be enumerated. Yeah, all those stuff have a fee. <laughs> if, they, if, they, if they have the balls to come to you and say, do this thing for free, then they're shady. Correct. Because they shouldn't expect you to do that. That's true. I get that. But there's always that point where you say to yourself, if they're like, I need this little piece done, like I need these three scenes done, and then we're going. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, like, what do you want? I would like, you be I would going, like to be the or? person to offer the free work. If they, if we're all sitting there in the editing mm -hmm. booth and we hear all this stuff, and yeah, it's like, okay. you know what would fix that scene? If I just change that little bit of dialogue a little bit, you guys mind? Then they'll be happy to take it for free. Yeah. They don't ask me to do it for free. If yeah, they yeah. ask me, they're asking to pay me. Correct. Right, right. That's true. Or they're shady. That's true. Correct. That's true. That's true. Correct. Or you're shady. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, that's what's up. Good episode, y'all. <laughs> so where you at, Jeff Thorne? Uh, well, I'm at jeffthorne.com, jeffreythorne.com. 
I'm at Game of Thorns on Twitter or Jeff Thorn on Twitter, depending mm. how you want to search me. If you can handle it. If you can handle it. Um, <laughs> I got a couple of publications on Medium. One is a comic book and one is my thoughts about the election, which oh, are boy. fairly dark. You may not want to go there. Uh, and it's at Medium.com, also Game of Thorns, if you want to look me up yeah. there. And uh, that's that's it. I got a Facebook presence, mm-hmm. Dreamnasium on Facebook. That's it. And you're out there developing... Making stuff, yeah. stuff I can't talk about. <laughs> oh, and my comic book, Mosaic, yes, from yes. Marvel Comics, every month. Read it. Read you it. You need to read it because it's it. the shit. Yes. That's it. Okay, cool. Where you at, Chris? Derek? I'm at uh, shadowboxercinema.net, and that's where I'm putting up some stuff right now, just some writing pieces. Uh, I am on Twitter at unauthorizedcbd. I'm on Instagram at the same thing, unauthorizedcbd. Mm-hmm. Just look me up under Christopher Derek. Um... I haven't been looking at Facebook that much. I had to turn it off at the end of September. It's just too much for me. It's I'm too. About to go. It's, too it's, it's too. It's, you know what the hell yeah. happened to the world? <laughs> and Facebook was complicit in that shit. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. <laughs> Stop shaking your head. You were complicit, and you know you were complicit. <laughs> Did it on purpose. So y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. <laughs> you guys can find me on <laughs> at Hilliard Guest <laughs> on Twitter. You guys can follow the show Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. You see, we answered a few. <laughs> we still got about, oh, 19 more, but we'll do them another time. <laughs> and um, um, please go on Facebook, follow us there. Hilliard Guest at Screenwriters Rant Room. We appreciate it. Go on iTunes, give us a five star review. We really need that for the metrics and shit like that. Um, shout out to Lisa Bolacaja. She'll be back next week. And um, <laughs> I bought my arms up in the air like it's a touchdown, Lisa. We miss you, Lisa. She can see you, right? <laughs> if only you could see me because I make all these visual gestures on an audio program. Exactly, exactly. And um, y'all know how we do it on the rant room. Keep it real, keep it opinionated, keep it what, everybody? 2016. 2016. Peace, y'all. Yeah. In the rant. Let the beast about the cage That light about the dark Can you build the inferno From an itty bitty spark Coffee shop hustlers Rise with the cream A million of the writers Same Hollywood dream Your pen and paper All like bullets in the gun Write what you feel Say what you want In, in the, the red room We say what we say We do what we feel We gotta keep it real In the red room All about the crap So look, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get in. Mm-hmm.